Hey there, my name is Ushin Dunny, and this is Audio Talks on the Road with Harmon Explorer. And I'm thrilled to be joined today by two audio VIPs Dave Rogers, the president of Lifestyle at Harmon International, and Sammy Andrews, founder and CEO at Deviate Digital, journalist, campaigner, and much more. Welcome both to the podcast. Dave, I'm going to start with yourself. Harman has been involved in a lot of events in Vegas during the CES time period over many years. And I know that the concert at the Hard Rock Cafe is a highlight for a lot of the folks in the Harman ecosystem. Now, this year, of course, instead of the Hard Rock concert, you had a live streamed performance from none other than Keith Urban. What was that like? It was it was fantastic. We've been fortunate and delighted to invite our guests and our partners to incredible events over the years. We've had the likes of Elton John, Lenny Kravitz, Foo Fighters, and more. This year was just as spectacular as the past because we had Keith Urban dazzle us while he helped us celebrate the 75th anniversary of JBL. He gave an incredible dose of energy. He was shredding his guitar and it was good, clean fun. That's very, very cool. So you could actually say the Keith Urban live streamed concert shreds and all at the end of your virtual event is something of a microcosm of what's been happening in the events industry. What kind of industry innovations have really moved the needle for you? We've seen a huge shift to virtual events over the past year. While they can never replace a live show, they're helping performers, their crews and their fans get through this troubling time. It's estimated that live streaming and related performance technologies advanced more in the past six months than they would have done in six years. An astonishing 12 million people watched Travis Scott perform on Fortnite, and that's only the beginning. I looked this morning on YouTube. That video has seen 119 million views. So it really speaks to how many people have gotten involved on live streaming. And uh, Sammy Andrews, turning over to you now, we've been hearing from Dave there about what's been happening in the US with virtual events, with that Travis Scott gig and Fortnite, and um, even virtual events replacing the Harmon presence around the CES trade show. Now, what virtual events have really stood out for you in the past 12 months? I think there's been a really wide variety, actually, in, in terms of music industry so obviously the the Fortnite shows but also uh BTS had i think the the largest live stream of all time they grossed millions and millions and for standout shows it's it's all really about the quality and and making these seamless because one of the biggest challenges i think is in moving online it's presented an incredible opportunity but it also brings with it some challenges if the audience that you are approaching aren't familiar with with logging on and, and live streaming. And we work across our agency with, with acts that have, you know, teenage fans right up to pensioners. And yeah. what we found over lockdown is that that older generation, they're online now. <laughs> um, so uh, some of the most successful ones that I think I've seen are, for the right audience are catering for that audience, making it as simple as possible for a new generation, albeit an older generation, to get online. You just spoke there about new demographics coming online, about the unintended side effects of the pandemic and the lockdowns is actually open up whole new markets for music. Where do you think this is going to go looking forward in terms of events and people enjoying music and enjoying entertainment? Well, I think from here, it it only gets bigger. And I heavily suspect that going into this year, 
we're going to see a, a much more blended economy in terms of how how live shows are monetized and how entertainment is received. So what we're already starting to see, and, and you can see it in some of the in, interactive streams online in the chat rooms, people yeah. that never thought that they'd get to see these artists in their hometown are suddenly able to access this. So that's an incremental revenue stream because those people would never have bought a ticket. So mm-hmm. what what I very much suspect that we're going to see is that, and I, I genuinely believe live events will return. We're already seeing it in some countries. Um, yeah. That actually the live stream will now sit on top of that. I think we'll see that going forward. I think everyone will factor live streaming into their plans, which which is already actually causing some problems with contracts. Um, But then you also have real world issues between who owns that content. Is it artists, labels or uh, promoters? Because they all have separate contracts and separate deals. So I think we'll see a change in the way that those deals are set up going forward. So, you know, there's a contractual element to that. But I I certainly think that this is not going anywhere. People have have now understood the, the value of a live stream and whether that is on a very basic level connecting with your fan base or on a, a bigger level, whether it's monetization, brand endorsement, there's been some serious money put on the table from brands in order to partner on live streams. So the, the opportunities are, are huge, I think, for, for the right artists. But flip side, you have an insight issue with new artists um, who may not have as big a fan base to be able to, to justify, you know, doing something like that. I think there's a space in the market for for something for them or maybe for, you know, big artists to be able to factor these bands as you would a support band on tour, factor them into your live streams. That's something that we haven't seen a lot of that I hope yes. we see going forward. That's so interesting. That's such an interesting kind of outlook there. You know, changes in consumer behavior are really changing the way the music industry works and the live streaming genie is very much out of the bottle. So um, I'd like to turn over to yourself, Dave. Do you think that, you know, given all of these different factors, do you think that society's relationship with music has changed during the pandemic? And and what does that mean? You know, I think that uh, all the music and live streaming events have given people a much needed connection to the outside world. I think we're in a uh, scenario now where it's almost like Groundhog Day. We get up in our homes and um, we do much of the same thing, whether if you're working, you're working, taking phone calls all day, um, you're if you're commuting, you're masking up and you're uh, trying to distance and, 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 and you're isolated. And music gives us this connection to uh, improve our mental health, provides us with hope. And I think people are are yearning for a time to get back out and connect with others and be more social. Yeah, I totally agree. Music is, you know, the, the best thing to bring people together and to lift their spirits, you know, bar none, in my humble opinion. And so, Sammy, turning over to yourself, talk to us a bit about the impact of this changing relationship with music in terms of, uh, you know, how organizations and how society looks at music as a whole is it is this an opportunity to reevaluate things music has incredible value to me both personally and professionally there's a lyric from a frank turner song that says everyone can find a song for every time they've lost and every time they've won and i i really feel that there's something in that especially in those hard times but what we all yeah. what we have seen in the uk um, is a kick up of something called uh, fixed streaming and broken record campaigns, which mm. 
because of COVID and, and specifically the, the loss of live revenue, a lot of musicians and songwriters have been looking at the income that they do get from streaming, the value that, that you know, if we're saying actually music's really, really valuable, but some mm. songwriters going, oh, but we're not getting any money. Um, and it's, <laughs> yes. it's ended up here in the UK in a parliamentary inquiry into the economics of streaming. Yeah. And we've heard from people, including Radiohead, Nadine Shah, Nile Rogers took part in the last one. What they're looking at now is the contractual basis, I guess, of the back end of streaming. The tracks that you listen to don't actually receive the payment for that one track. It's then split by market share. And there's an argument for something called user-centric payments, uh, whereby every track you listen to would get money directly. And that's one part of what's going on at the moment in a, in a debate. But there's also looking at whether streaming needs to raise its prices, which is a, a fair argument. Most streaming services have not raised their prices for over a decade so yeah. there's a, a lot of arguments about the, the is music being devalued is what's been asked at the moment. And if, if it is, how does that work out long term? Because when when we come out of this situation, there's there's all kinds of issues here in, in terms of revenue. So even with with uh, hospitality being closed, there's a lot of lost mm. performance revenue because no bars or restaurants have been playing songs. Course, Obviously, yeah, there's yeah. been no festivals. We've got a thing, you know, coming up long term and looking not just at the the immediate ramifications of COVID, but actually what do those long term ramifications look like and how can more value be put back into a song, an actual recording and, and a piece of work? You know, live streaming, I think, definitely plays a part in that also, while the industry tries to figure out who should be getting the lion's share of a live stream. Yeah. Wow, that's it's so interesting. I mean, I hope it's an opportunity for songwriters and performers to be more uh, fairly remunerated, you know, because as we've spoken about a bunch of times on the podcast, you know, you just try doing a workout without music or watch something on Netflix without a soundtrack. Music is such a, you know, central part of our lives. Huge, huge part. And one of the big things that's been pushed for in the UK is something called equitable remuneration. Um, which currently exists uh, for plays across things like radio, but doesn't exist in in streaming world, which is yeah. a bit dicey because a lot of streaming services are now calling themselves, they have arms that have the word radio in, but are still arguing that they're not radio. So I think in 2021, I think we'll hear a lot more about equitable remuneration. Good. Very happy to hear that. And I, I'm heartened to hear that you and many colleagues in the music industry are working on this issue that I've heard some absolute horror stories from the, the front lines of folks who made their living from playing music live, selling merchandise at their gigs, even selling CDs. All of that's disappeared. And it's a, it's a huge issue for everyone who loves music. Even people that you would assume are, you know, very, very well-off superstars, it's afforded them the time to check if their house is in order. And yeah. quite a lot of people have now looked over their contracts where they may not have really put the time or effort into before and gone, hang on. <laughs> You know, I'm yes. getting paid how much? And in some yeah. cases, they can't answer that question because of the lack of transparency. They can't actually figure out how much they're getting paid. So there's a real groundswell, and it's everyone from, you know, members of ABBA to Sheik to everyone in between going, hang on, yeah. you know, what, what year did I sign my contract in? <laughs> yes. So we heard there about, you know, this new focus on music and people really appreciating the value of music. Do you think in terms of, 
how consumers feel about music and the value that they put on their relationship music. Do you think this has changed during the year? Starting with yourself, Sammy. (laughs) Um, For sure. I mean, I think you only really have to have a quick look across Spotify, Apple or Amazon at their contextual and mood playlists and the popularity of those to, to understand that music, where it may before have sat in our pocket, I mean, if, you know, if we had whatever, a Walkman back in the day, where we were choosing what was soundtracking our lives, but right now stuff's pushed to us. You only have to look at the play counts to really understand how popular that is. Those playlists are in- increasing in popularity across the board. They generate yeah. a lot of plays and I think they bring a lot of people a lot of happiness. But we also have yeah. things like smart speakers now where, you know, the accessibility is not necessarily just locked to a device in your pocket. These things are in your homes. Mm. You're able to interact directly and much like you know, granny coming on board for a live stream, you know, she's also coming on board and and talking to her smart speaker and having a bit of a chat and playing music. So I'm a massive streaming advocate. I mean, I should say that. Um, I think it's done incredible things for the industry, but being able to to tap into the world's music bank whenever you want and take something away from that is quite incredible. And also, you know, the value across gaming. I mean, you you know, you mentioned removing stuff from... TV, but it's it's everywhere, and people don't necessarily realise it's everywhere. If you walk into a shop, you know there's a whole cottage industry about having songs that make you shop faster or shop slower. Like it's, yeah. it's there's a big part and quite a big psychological part to music and commercial music. That mm. if you if you took that away, I mean, God, imagine a silent world. Imagine that. Oh no, no, no I can't. <laughs> Going over to yourself, Dave, talk, talk to us a bit about what you've seen from the consumer relationship with music. And do you think that's changed during the pandemic? I do. I think people look to music and musicians for inspiration. And throughout this year, we can be sure that inspiration was provided and people are healing as a result of it. You know, I can think of experiences that I've had myself over the past seven to nine months. It provides us with a break to the monotony of isolation. And so um, I look forward to when it changes in the future. But today we need the musicians and we need the music community to help us through this time. Absolutely, Dave. Very good point. And looking at this the other way around, uh, starting with yourself, Dave, have you observed the music industry changing the way in which they try to connect with fans or how artists connect with fans? Of course, uh, the, the live music industry has been hit particularly hard and we don't expect relief till sometimes next year. Mm. Uh, the pandemic has been a terrible blow to the industry. Crisis is known to inspire creativity and we're seeing musicians and creatives reaching fans in new ways through streaming events, listening parties, virtual outreach, and many other ways to share their feelings and remain connected to their fans. Taylor Swift's folklore recording is the great example of how an artist can connect with fans while building mutual empathy. I was very happy to hear the word empathy in that answer. I think it can be underrated, but it's one of the most powerful things we possess as humans. Um, But there is also the question of how do you actually make this happen from a, you know, from the under the hood perspective of an agency that works with the music industry. So Sammy, Deviate Digital is a 360 agency and you work with a ton of big artists and big, you know, live agencies and all sorts of players across the ecosystem. How did this 
manifest for yourselves? And did you have to do anything differently when we went into lockdown and when the live gigs stopped? Yeah, so it's been a real game of two halves for us at the agency. So until March 2020, we worked for one of the largest promoters in the world, running all their paid spend for tours and all of their festivals. That disappeared, obviously, in March. We had we had a slight heads up because we saw it coming from Asia and we saw the patterns that were happening there back in January and February. So we, we kind of knew that that was coming. Um, but it very, very quickly pivoted and shifted so that we were working with them and but interestingly, major labels, independent labels and artists and managers directly on trying to figure out now how you, you interact with people in, in and monetize digitization throughout the year. So that could be live streams. Um, it could have been general content. But one of the big takeaways was e-commerce. So people have been quite astounded by what's possible with digital advertising and, and also the platforms themselves. So YouTube have rushed out actually quite a lot of new tools to account for the live streaming aid, things like green rooms, being oh. able to do backstage stuff, uh, monetization for comments on streams, which is a big thing in Asia that the, the Western world never really do. You know, yeah. like someone can pay $100 to have their comments sit at the top of a YouTube chat. Um, wow. And there's a lot of, so it's not it's not just the industry that have been innovating. Big tech also has been trying to innovate. And I think there's, there's rumors swirling, which I'm sure are true, um, about very large services uh, doing deals directly with very large ticketing companies oh, so, sure. so that they can become the big players in the live stream world. So th in mm. terms of innovation across stuff, I mean, it's, it's certainly not all been doom and gloom. There's some really interesting stuff coming out of all of this. Yeah, indeed. And, and staying with yourself, Sammy, talk to us a bit about the kind of work that you do and like how you ended up doing this, because it's such an interesting place to uh, to hold in the, the entire music ecosystem. And it's, it's hugely valuable. It's hugely ahead of the curve in terms of the adoption of digital technology. But um, I'm curious to know how your passion and love for music turned into this wonderful <laughs> service that you provide to the music industry. My father gave me my first guitar when I was four. I learned guitar and until my teens, I was in some awful bands, awful bands. Um, but because I was in a small town, uh, no one they knew how to use a PA system. And so I had to learn at 13 how to use, it was a really rackety old thing that we used to chuck in yeah. the back of a van, a PA system. I enjoyed it so much that I decided to go and do a degree in sound production. And Amazing. whilst I was there, because I couldn't really afford to be there, I started putting gigs on um, and sort of fell into promotion, then fell into management through that. So I've had a very, very long, long relationship with music. Um, but when I moved to London, it was just at the cusp of the start of the digital world. It's like uh, we were one of the first people to, to place an ad on MySpace yeah, a long, a very long-lasting relationship with both digital and, and music. But we saw very early on the potential to connect fans to to artists online. And that does literally go back to MySpace days. It was yes. a funny old thing, if anyone's listening and they remember. <laughs> um, but we, I think I was 18 or 19, and we had a, a number one record across Amazon in six countries with an independent band and a record label that we'd set up. Wow. And that, but that was utilizing data to connect people. And what's happening now is that, but on a huge, huge scale. And I think 
one of the most exciting things for 2021 is going to be looking at how people take that up another level because everyone's coming out of covid with a with a slightly you know new outlook on on what's possible within digital and and audio like one of the big things from so many young artists is is being able to over covid they've really have crafted their tools that they they know yes. how to use logic and pro tools but they they're coming out of this so much more knowledgeable than they went in and i cannot yeah. wait to hear some of the creations you know of, of, as a result of that totally thank you sammy that's a really interesting personal story that path there from lugging amps into the back of van and running the pa to you know being a digital pioneer and and that ending up where you are today that's absolutely superb and dave talk to us a bit about your relationship with music and how that's evolved throughout your life you know i can remember my very first album like it was yesterday i was a freshman in high school and I bought Yes Fragile. So that dates me a bit, but um, I've been a long time Rolling Stones fan. I saw them in 1984 and again and again and again and again. But I'm not just a, a rocker. You know, I can remember I went through a Madonna phase. I've gone through a Diana Ross phase. There's so many artists uh, have kind of an eclectic taste. I, I've done a bunch of country. Of course, a Keith Urban fan, you know, George Strait. Uh, Hank Williams Jr. I, I, I'm all over the map because it's just whatever influences me, you know, emotionally, then I gravitate to it. And here we are today and you're doing uh, Harmon Explore, uh, you know, virtually instead of in Las Vegas. And you're also celebrating the 75th anniversary of JBL this year. So congratulations and happy anniversary. Now, the JBL brand has a legacy as a global pioneer at the heart of the entertainment scene. And it's been turning up the volume on audio experiences for, you know, seven and a half decades. What are some of the iconic moments in pop culture that JBL has been behind? There's been so many. I, I think for me, one of the the things that I was really happy to see in the last, let's call it six or seven years, is the Grammys. We've supported uh, Music Cares, the Grammys, mm. and other events surrounding it through our sponsorship. We've been fortunate. I've been fortunate personally to entertain many of our customers there. And through that, I've been exposed to some incredible artists and where possible, we use those artists as partners to help reach out to our customers, the people we're trying to connect to. Mm. And uh, they do a fabulous job. BB Arexa is one of them. And we've had many others over time that help us in the music industry to tell our story. You know, I can think of one event in particular where it was Grammys and Music Cares were Tom Petty. Wow. I was fortunate to see, yeah, to see him play at both events. And then that year he passed. So it was for, you know, talk about an incredible experience that uh, that's just one of many. JBL's move into esports is something that we actually talked about in the last series of audio talks. So, you know, this is a very modern, fast moving area. JBL is absolutely not standing still. It's really moving with the times. Yeah. The, so the, and, and that's uh, really it touches us in a couple of ways. One is that we really want to be the best sound at any given price point, no matter what the consumer's doing, whether that's in our professional world or in the consumer world. And what we found over time is that um, as content becomes more ubiquitous and you can get it from the cloud and get it anywhere, we want to be able to be there. It's become more personal in some respects, and we needed to create products 
for those personal moments. Mm. We already make them for those public moments that we just discussed in concerts and bars and restaurants and arenas. But on these personal products, and gaming is one of them, we found as people went to the work from home, watch from home, game from home kind of mentality in the COVID environment, this was an area for us. It was an extension, a natural extension of us bringing great sound to uh, just another experience that people like to do. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the future is moving forward quickly, but uh, let's just take another moment to look back. What's been your favorite virtual concert or event last year? Starting with your good self, Sammy. I think my favorite is Biffy Clyro put on an incredible stream. I think it was a Drift production who are part of ATC management. They were very smart, actually. At the start of COVID, they saw this coming and they're responsible for producing some of the biggest live streams in the UK and Europe, actually, I think. They're very high production value, but it was perfect. It was from um, Barrowlands in Glasgow in Scotland and it's an iconic venue here. It has very sticky floors, but that's part of its charm. There's a lot of pints get thrown around up there, um, but it just, it really worked. And I, I was thoroughly engaged throughout and it also really helped their album charting, which I thought was an incredibly smart use of live streaming in the release cycle. Brilliant. Barrowlands, absolutely love it. Sticky floors. Yes, they are real. I don't think we'll be able to recreate that virtually. Uh, so moving over to yourself, Dave, what's been your favorite virtual concert or event of the past 12 months? I have two. The first one was an emotional one. I actually started crying because I'm going to get emotional talking about it, in which uh, the Global Citizen event happened in April. And at that time, you think back, we didn't know it was going to happen. You know, everybody's talking about uh, the death rates and things like that. And we didn't know when we were going to get communal. And this event comes on and the Rolling Stones played virtually. And it was some of it was recorded, clearly, but it was it's it struck me. And then more recently, Post Malone did a, a Nirvana kind of tribute. It was, it's smoking. If you haven't seen it, it's relaxed. It's in his game room or whatever, and he's having beers. And he did it as a charity event for a World Health Organization. So it was, for me, those were two that stood out. But there's many, many others and many, many genres that uh, are, are compelling, quite compelling. Looking forward, um, do you think the lockdowns and the fact that we haven't had a lot of in-person events are really stoking our future hunger for live music performances? What do you think this all means looking forward? I, uh, there's no question. And it's, and it's not just music. You know, it's, uh, I watched the Notre Dame-Clemson game. And wow, at the end of that game and the fans ran on the field, people are, are hungering for communal experiences. Yeah. But um you know, look, one of the things I'm really proud about is how our professional solutions divisions really done a lot of different things, not just in the music community, hiring people mm-hmm. that are out of work in order to, to support them and communicate with our customers and prepare for when this pandemic is over. We know the markets are going to open back up. We know our customers are going to come to us for great audio solutions to meet the needs of the consumers going in to listen. Um, we already hear it. We're starting conversations and planning now. So I'm thinking by Q2, we start to see a little bit. And by mid-year, all those summer events that we're dying to participate in with the musicians, we're all back together and doing our thing. And I think there'll be a swing towards a stronger uh, element of people participating because you realize how special it is. You get in a routine and you often 
you you don't know how special some of the talents are that you encounter on a daily basis. So I'm confident it's going to come back with a vengeance and end of 21 and beyond. It's going to be uh, great for everyone. Uh, and Sammy, what do you think? Do you think people are just, you know, dying to get back to the, the front of the, the gig and spill a pint on the floor of the Barrowlands and all that? I think that people are really chomping at the bit to get back to live music. However, I don't know that they're keen to do that in the same way immediately that they were before. And even looking at some of the events that have taken place in Taiwan and Australia and, and New Zealand in countries where they have managed to get COVID slightly you know, better under control, festivals are taking place. I think it's you know 20,000 yes. capacity, but you see, especially, you know, young people having the time of their life. And it filled me full of hope to see some videos on Twitter of that life returning. So I think we will get back there. But I do think it will look slightly different in the the first stages. I think there will be a lot more attention on social distancing, on just, you know, basic hygiene, which let's face it, is not a bad thing. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Quite. Yes. we've all been in venues and festivals where we've thought actually a bit of hygiene here would probably be a really great thing. So I'm trying yes. to view that as a positive that we're going to come out of this with perhaps a slightly more conscious effort to uh, to be a little safer. But yeah, you can see it, the, the proofs in the market at the, at the moment. Mm. There's a lot of stuff going on sale and it's selling really well. And I think one of the biggest concerns for the music industry that was that consumer confidence would go. And I think consumer confidence is, is far from gone. The, the want is there. I think they just want some different things now. They want to know that they'll be safe if they do go. Amen. I'm all for cleaner venues, uh, less whatever it is on the floor and all the rest. Absolutely, yes. Um, so, Dave, talk to us a bit about how, you know, good audio quality can help to keep a profound connection between music fans and music alive in the meantime. So we've already begun seeing this both in our, our professional business and our consumer business, what I call the retail part of the business where end user buys online or at a retail store because people, as they're at home, they want to upgrade their experience. We see them buying sound bars. We see them buying, as we mentioned, gaming headsets. We see them buying podcasting for creating content for their computers. We have a new product called uh, AKG Lyra and it's like I can't keep it in stock. The team is doing a great job, but people want to experience a better, either with their family experience or individually, as I said earlier. So I think that'll continue. And then we'll see these communal events start to take place at those markets start to open back up, whether it be cinemas, concerts, that type of thing. Uh, and also what has Harmon been doing in this field in terms of supporting the live music industry? You know, I mentioned that, that we've been hiring some out-of-work professionals to help us with some of our presentations to teach our, our integrators and other partners. But we also involved in supporting organizations like Neva, Save Our Stages, Save Our Venues. We make events, Code Red, and other initiatives designed to bring awareness and support the plight of musicians and, you know, people that support live music and music venues. That's fantastic, Dave. Thank you. And Sammy, is there anything that you would recommend for Audio Talks listeners uh, in terms of how they can support the live music scene? I think, you know, a lot of the people that, that are being supported, I mean, that list is incredible. I mean, what a wonderful selection of people to be contributing to. But if people want to donate, depends whether you want to look global or international. And I think at the moment, whilst COVID is a global issue, it's quite good to look local if you can. And if there's a venue 
in your local area that may not survive this. See if you can help them look for your local national crew support. So everyone always talks about, you know, how difficult this has been for musicians. But believe me when I say it's been worse for crew, you know, and they only get a day rate and it's not a secure job for them. And I have a, a lot of technician friends that have, you know, they've become drivers in places. Some of them are talking about not going back. And actually in, in Australia, a couple of promoters I know, know there who put on the events said that one of the biggest issues they had was recruiting crew because so many of them had changed yeah. career. And I think as an industry, we need to be very aware on a global and local level that these people mm. need looking after. So I would look first locally, see what you can support locally, then nationally. And then if there's yeah. a, any global initiatives that you want to get involved with, th- there's some in every country. Fantastic advice. Thank you, Sammy. That's brilliant. And uh, we'll, we'll put a few links in the show notes to some of these organisations for sure. So please do get involved. And um, Dave, I'd like to come over to yourself. Now, we heard earlier from Sammy that uh, venues might actually be cleaned up a bit because, you know, we'll need better hygiene and that kind of thing. And that's, that is really not a bad thing. But what other facets of the future of live music do you think we can look forward to? So, I, you know, obviously, um, the way it's happened, as we've seen over the past several of months, you know, everything's local, mm. right? So you see how they're handling things in Europe versus how they're handling things in the U.S. versus how they're handling things in China. But eight out of 10 people in a recent survey said that they could not live without music and live music in particular. We can expect to see outdoor events. I'm, I'm certain of it was, you know, first it will be with socially distanced seating. We've seen some of this a little bit with these uh, drive-in movie theaters that have been recycled into, you know, live events for people to have a communal experience. We'll see more of that at first, and then eventually it'll evolve into live music, hopefully in bars and restaurants and all kinds of concert venues around the world. And I think, as I said earlier, it's going to come back with a vengeance. People need it. They need to get out and they need to be together with the artistry and the community. I think in terms of audio, all the things that that Dave just said, but also there's a missed part of the market, I think, in, in terms of when people think of audio, that actually look at the amount of content that's been created now, whether you're looking at TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, there's more content than anyone could have dreamed of, even two years ago or, or, or five years ago, but certainly 10 years and I think there's a huge opportunity there to tap into the next generation of creators, be that music, be that poetry, be that film, be that, you know, silly little 15 second videos, but they've got 20 billion hits. There's, um, I think, a lot of exciting stuff happening in the creator space and, yes. and all of it requires audio. And again, t- you know, technology's advancements have allowed us to carry everything with us wherever we go. And COVID certainly showed us that we can do all of this remotely if we need to. So I'm very, very excited to see what the next generation of people come up with. What kind of things are coming up from Harman in terms of product launches from the lifestyle division? Talk to us a bit about what the future holds. Sure. You know, one thing we've learned over the past years is, is really the vast importance and the power of music on people and culture. Um, that gives the audio in- industry and certainly Harmon every motivation to continue our quest to produce the highest quality acoustic listening devices in formats that people want to experience it in and a wide array of price points. Um, you know, we see a real big investment on our side for both our businesses 
uh, on true wireless noise canceling headphones, um, surround sound, Dolby Atmos systems. Uh, a big seller right now is our JBL Party Box line, um, and uh, it, it kind of provides a little mini concert for you at home. It's really fun product, but we believe the light at the end of the tunnels. You know, it's happening. It's happening now. It's getting better. Um, and, you know, I think the music's getting louder and we're going to be ready for it on the other side when it happens. Fantastic. So, Dave, we've got a lot of good things coming up from Harman, a lot of things to look forward to. Uh, Sammy, talk to us a bit about what's coming up from Deviate Digital. We're, we've got a really big year ahead. I mean, it, honestly, it's probably started at the end of, of 2020 for us setting up, but it's it's a mix of, of everything we're talking about, really. There's incredible new albums. There's some really innovative new e-commerce solutions. There's all kinds of advancements in in advertising, but also content widely. I think what what COVID did for a lot of our client base is make them see that actually their world is not just about music. So we're making podcasts with a lot of people. Uh, we're creating more visual content with people than we would have usually, you know, that's not part of a, a cycle. And also esports. Um, we're having conversations with a, to see if we can get some more crossover between esports and music. So I firmly believe that there's a lot of missed opportunities in the music industry and that it could learn a lot from esports if uh, if it could be bothered to spend some time with it. And uh, I, I intend to, to make sure that that happens in 2021. Fantastic. Thank you, Sammy. And we will absolutely uh, link to deviate.digital in the show notes. If you want to see the future of what's going to happen in terms of how music is promoted, how it connects with fans, check out what Sammy's and the team at Deviate Digital have got coming up for the year. Okay, I've got one more question for both of you. Um, I would like to invite you both to choose a track for our very special audio talks on the road with Harmon Explorer special edition playlist, starting with yourself, Dave. All right, I'm going to go with like I said. I I I told you the Post Malone cover. I don't I don't know if you can peel it out of his uh, presentation, but the final track on on uh, that he plays is called "Bloom" by Nirvana, and it amazing. It's thunderous, and I recommend it to uh, to everyone. Fantastic choice there, thunderous Nirvana covers. Tick tick tick. Uh, how about yourself, Sammy? What's your choice for the playlist? I'm going to, given our conversation today, I'm going to go with uh, Frank Turner, I believe, which is all about why we all, I believe, love the music industry. And I just think it's really resonant for, for the moment right now. And I thoroughly encourage you to check it all out. Fantastic. I really look forward to that. And Frank Turner has been a tireless, tireless campaigner. He made over £400,000 just on his own for the Music Venue Trust in the UK by putting gigs on in his living room every Thursday in the UK. Also helped musicians raised over, I think it was 11 million, but definitely more than that. But they've helped over 18,000 musicians that may not have survived without them. So yeah, anyone, you know, that's that's taken the time to help others over this time needs a little shout out. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the work of the Music Venues Trust. They are just heroes, heroes of uh, of last year and moving forward for sure. And uh, my own contribution to the playlist, as we are on the road with Harmon Explorer, I'm going to add uh, Rise by Public Image Limited, which uh, which I like the lyrics of. 
Thank you so much for joining us on Audio Talks on the road with Harmon Explorer. And thank you to our two audio VIPs, Dave Rogers and Sammy Andrews. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe, comment, share and generally get involved. We'll be back soon for some more fascinating audio talks. But until then, may the road rise with you. See you next time.